0: Thanks for tuning in to the Thirst For More Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smilly. The Thirst For More Podcast was created to help strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, fitness enthusiasts, and anyone that loves lifting heavy shit all be connected under one roof. We take deep dives into coaching, programming and training, running gyms, nutrition, and overall improving your knowledge in the field of strength and conditioning. If you're new here, I'm glad you're able to tune in and hope you can just take away one awesome piece of information today to help you along with your journey. If you're a returning supporter, I appreciate you being along for the ride. Now let's dive into today's episode. What's up, everyone? We're here for episode 32 of the Thirst for More podcast, specifically the YouTube Live and even Facebook Live video and Q&A. So if you happen to be here to ask questions, awesome. We will answer those questions. Does not have to be about our topic today which is max effort squat programming, but it certainly could be, but you can really ask anything from a training perspective today, and I will be happy to take care of that. As with previous episodes, I come with a topic to discuss, kind of lecture, provide some more information on, and you can ask questions on those, but we'll cover this here so you can take away from this. If you happen to be listening in the past, again, you can go over to my YouTube channel at Smitley, and you will find this video so you can watch in the past, And take away some stuff here regarding max effort squat programming. If you're here live, then enjoy. Uh, And if you're listening just to the audio version, you'll also take away great things as well. But if you want the visual component, again, just go over to YouTube and you can find that. So again, today's content is max effort squat programming. And we're going to talk about this in terms of not only powerlifters, but also athletes. Okay, so the very first thing here is what is the max effort method? So I'm not going to go super deep into the max effort-based method uh, in terms of like we kind of did the dynamic effort method stuff that I did in a previous episode, but we're just going to talk about what it is so we all have the same understanding here from an educational side. So the max effort method focuses on teaching a lifter or athlete to strain underneath a heavy load. Typically, 90% or more of their one-rep max. By exerting maximum effort into a single or a heavy rep, the lifter athlete develops strength, muscular coordination, and neurological development without relying on or inducing muscular hypertrophy. So, big thing here is improving strength, both from a neurological perspective, but a muscular coordination perspective. And there's not really any hypertrophy from this because there's just not enough time under tension. Obviously, heavy loads are involved, but this is not going to be what you want to gain muscle. This is more for strength or even increasing force for athletes. So the benefits here of the max effort method, so I kind of made a short little list. We're going to go here with intramuscular coordination and intermuscular coordination, kind of talk about that neurological benefits, uh, how the muscles contract together as a unit, how the body works together as a unit, and that's going to help you be able to produce more force uh, and lift more weight. Uh, reduction of the CNS inhibition, so... You know, it kind of gets the nervous system working together, kind of like we uh, mentioned there, but it's going to prevent the nervous system from being kind of limiting factor, you know, how kind of stuff feels heavy. And that kind of like, I don't want to say slows you down, but you know, makes you hesitant. That's definitely possible. But by list lifting heavier, more frequently, or on a semi frequent m- basis is going to let you inhibit that a little bit. Uh, maximal time under tension threshold is increased. So when we talk about the time under tension, I was talking more about the muscular perspective, the under time under tension in terms of like hypertrophy, but when it comes to the time under tension, like the time to strain, um, the ability to be underneath a heavy load because the weight is going to move slower. The heavier it is, the slower it works. We'll kind of talk about some velocity-based stuff here later on, but you kind of get the idea there. Uh, again, going back to this also teaches the ability to strain, kind of talked about that. Um, But, you know, maximizing that time underneath that stream, it also teaches the athlete, specifically powerlifting, this is a skill. There is some skill to this, but being able to think under load. So what is going on? What is my body doing? And not only that, but then how the the body reacts and how you're mentally thinking about, okay, I'm coming up from that squat. I need to continue to drive my trap and upper back into the bars. I need to keep my elbows pulled down and in to keep that shelf good. I need to continue to spread the floor to keep some tension in my hips, all those good things. There's also going to be the increased awareness of the body and the space underneath the maximal load. So again, kind of talking about where we're at with the weights that kind of falls back to the CNS inhibition um, and the time under tension of straining. So you are going to get awareness of where you are. And I think that's also important from an athletic perspective. Uh, Definitely in particular, because athletes need to know where they are in space, powerlifting our lifts kind of just move in the same plane all the time, but still being aware of where you are and what's going on. Uh, More benefits here on the next page. Uh, increased joint stability. So, obviously, just the stronger a muscle is, the more joint stability that is around that particular joint that's going to work. So, in particular, for the squat, you're mainly talking about the knees and the hips, but that's just the way that kind of goes there. Uh, anytime you've got strength around a joint, that increases stability. Lack of strength promotes more instability or more even mobility, depending upon your tissue quality, but that's a different discussion for a different day. The enhanced proprioception under load. So, still kind of feeding this proprioception thing. If you're going to have an idea of how the weight is feeling and what's going on as you're going down, as you're coming up, you're going to get that proprioception more because there's more load. You're going to ingrain that pattern even more. I think as i not talked enough about in max effort training, just in general is that if your max effort work looks like trash, so your technique is not good, you're just reinforcing proprioception wise, bad technique. So technique still is important underneath the max effort method, regardless of what lift you're doing. Uh, Again, increased focus with maximal loads. So this, I'm looking at this more of the mental side. You've got your one rep max or near a one rep max. The mental focus that it's going to take to get underneath there, have some arousal curve, but be be able to be under composure at the same time is still important sports is no different. It may not be a one rep max exactly on the field, but you've got to have that mental capacity to check in really good and know what's going on before the play or before you get in for playing time. Um, It's also a great way to find all the weak points. And this is definitely coming back to some Dave Tate elite FTS things is that there's mental, physical, and or technical weaknesses for lifting Or sport, So everyone always thinks and focuses on the physical side by talking about max effort method or bringing up weak points. There's also the mental part of being mentally ready, getting underneath the bar, but also fighting through what you need to do on your checklist, but also the technical side that comes more to that checklist of where the technical breakdowns for the lifter, which then can ultimately lead you to what you might need to do physically as long as the mental checklist checklist is completed. And then overall, kind of obvious, it's the best method for increasing overall and absolute strength. To get a lot stronger, you got to lift heavier. That's kind of a no-brainer, right? So uh, last little thing there on that slide. So what are the pitfalls of max effort training? Uh, With any good, there's always bad. Uh, Some of these are kind of similar. We'll talk about how they can kind of change, but if recovery can be an issue if the movement's not changed frequently enough. So if you take a max effort squat every single day, seven days a week for 365 days a year, recovery is going to catch up to you at some point. At some point, your numbers are just going to start to tank down. So allowing recovery can let those bounce up. I'm not saying that you can't take a max effort squat every week. You certainly can, and we'll have to talk about that here later. But obviously, recovery is something that has to be monitored at this time with these kind of weights and loads. Um, injury is obviously possible as well if the method is used past technical breakdown. So if technique is really falling apart, that's where we risk getting injured, uh, whether it be hips, knees, uh, back, those are all very possible things that can happen. Obviously poor application of the method, uh, will also yield poor results. So that can be a pitfall. And that's kind of the whole point of the episode slash lecture today is to help you have better application. To get more results, whether that be with athletes or with strength athletes, doesn't matter. The better your application, the better your results can be. Uh, There is some science to some of this stuff, and then you can't be problematic. Intensity and duration is progressed faster than the adaptation. So basically, if you progress faster than your tissues, that's going to be a problem, right? So you see this more with anabolic-based use. If I'm being honest, then you will with natural-based athletes. But if you still max out too frequently, too often, and don't do things correctly, you're going to have issues uh, in terms of the body keeping up from an adaptation standpoint. And that's clearly important. So there is a fine line of what can and cannot be used to to be optimal. Uh, Having bad movement selection. So if you're weak in a particular area and you're picking stuff that only works on your strengths, uh, then certain movements may not help you. And so if you don't have the right movements selected, you may not get the desired outcome that you want. And if you're not getting the desired outcome, I don't want to say you're wasting your time, but again, that feeds back to that poor application will yield poor results and then not backing down when needed. So this really just boils down to listening to your body. Even if it's supposed to be a max effort squat day and your body at 80% is not really feeling it, then you got to listen to that. You know, that's, that's your body trying to give you some feedback Listen to that, take that into account. And not only your programming, but for what you've got going on today. The best part about training is it will require pivots and it's just making those pivots when you need to. And then, one of the most understood methods in strength and conditioning is the max effort method. Uh, many people don't understand its implications, uh, how it can be used appropriately and how you can benefit from it. It's one of those things where more is not more many times doing less is more for this method. This is not something that you can just push, push, push forever. Again, you got to come back to some of these things of why you can't do that. So some extra notes here about the max effort method. Uh, when you do max effort work, you do have to strain. That's one key component of this method, and this means that working usually over ninety percent of your perceived one rep max max on whatever lift you're doing today. Obviously, we're talking about the squat, this still applies the bench, deadlift, what have you. And you can't do this week after week without the comp with just the competition lifts. You can't just take a straight bar squat week after week, max out all the time, and expect that to go forever. There's obviously going to be steps that fall backwards. So. The main point about this max effort method is trying to pick ways to continue to train this method without being as stagnant. Um, Beating your PRs is usually the goal, but you don't necessarily want to go balls out every session. Um, So if you beat a PR by even five pounds on the max effort lift for that day, just move on and beat it again by another day. In our facility, we use what's called a two PR rule. You cannot break more than two PRs in a given day. So let's take... athlete, for example, they're doing their squat and they happen to hit 100 pounds for a new top single. Well, that's great. If that beat that by five pounds, we might just shut it down there. The next question we have to ask the athlete is, how much do you think you have left? 10 pounds, 15 pounds, no pounds. If they say that number is pretty high, 15, 20 pounds, then we can take one more jump. Let's go to 105 or maybe 110 at the absolutely most in this case. And then we're done. Even if they think they can do more, let's say take 105, man, I could have did 115. Doesn't matter. You had two PRs of the day. Nothing good's going to come from being above 90% for more than four repetitions on a given day. So we just don't even entertain the idea. I think I've found from a long-term perspective of doing this, the two PR rule really holds true. Going for a third PR in the same day almost never goes well. I don't think I've ever seen anybody hit three PRs in a given day uh, in training. Uh, you also have to win the mental game with training. So that's the nice thing about the max effort method. We kind of talked about that in the previous slide. Um, but this won't happen if you start miss, missing lifts across the board. So making smart uh, attempts and making smart training selections will mentally help you. The less you miss weights, the more likely it becomes for your body to say, hey, I'm going to make weights, right? Right. So as an example here, when it came to my squat training, I never missed a squat and training in my powerlifting career. It never happened. I only missed on the platform. So guess what? I made way more squats in my career than I ever made any other lift because I was incredibly diligent about my training of not trying to miss squats. Right. It just, I think that sets up a lot of good momentum for powerlifting meets, but also just not missing weights is how you get stronger. Nobody gets stronger by missing weights. So Uh, Making smart temps there, and that goes with the mental side of just being honest with yourself, but approaching each lift, uh, especially from a max effort method, with the respect that it deserves. Uh, Some more extras here the max effort movements should have a certain degree of correspondence to the competition lift, especially for power lifters, uh, but they don't have to be identical. Sometimes you can do max effort exercises that are far away from the competition movements. So this kind of comes a seasonality of training. If your powerlifting me in this case is not for another six to eight months, we may not need to take a max effort competition looking squat eight months out not really a whole lot going to gain from it, right? You can do more safety bar work or box squats or implement bands and chains, get more unspecific so that when you get closer, you can get more specific, It's just general seasonality of training. That's the way training on any kind of sport or athletic endeavor really works. You start general and work towards specific and that has better long-term results. Uh, and then when cycling your max effort exercises, strategically progress your workload throughout the training cycle. It's not easy, but it is possible. So what this means is that when we're picking our exercises, we want to make sure that they kind of progress on one another. We don't want to take steps backwards in training unless if they are planned to do so, or the body is telling us from a different perspective that we need to do that. So again, just make sure that whatever you're doing from your max effort exercising, that you're just trying to progress always trying to take one step forward. We're having to take a step backwards. And sometimes that just might mean taking the max effort movement you have for the day. It may not be your best, but just take what it is and understand that over the long term they will progress as you do. All right. So what's so special about the squat? I'm doing this just on the squat. And just so you know, I plan to do this on other lifts as well. So these slides look may look similar whenever I do that. And as I focus towards the squat, because the max effort method again does not change. But what's so special about the squat? Why am I just doing the squat? One, I'll be honest with you, I'm passionate about the squat. It's my favorite lift. I think it's what I coach the best out of the big three if I had to pick one. Um, But at the end of the day, it's used a lot in many strength and conditioning or programs for strength athletes, regardless whether they compete in the squat or not. Uh, Weightlifting and strongman being examples, they don't compete in those lifts, but they use those lifts a lot. So understanding how to use them, you're pretty much going to see a squat variation in almost any kind of training that you do. Uh, but generally can be trained more frequently than the deadlift in terms of a lower body perspective. That's one thing that's special about it. It is, it, it can handle more volume over time than the deadlift, deadlift can. So therefore you can kind of get more from it because you're training it more frequently. I think that makes it a little bit special in terms of how you do your programming overall it has more carryover to athletics uh, in terms of running, jumping, Um, pushing things out of the way, the squat, just is great at building lower body strength and power. And so you're going to see that in athletics all the time, but you may not always see the deadlift, for example, or you may not always see the hang clean or the power clean or the snatch. So you are generally though going to always see a squat variation. Uh, you can target specific joint angles using boxes pins different bars and different types of resistance mainly like bands and chains so you can get very very specific on targeting those joint angles if that's what you need from a powerlifter or a strength athlete in this case or even a general sport athlete right? You can get very specific on joint angles, which is a little harder to do on something like the deadlift because it kind of comes down to how you set the the bar up and the plates and what implement you're using. It can be done, but it's a little easier to do with the squat in my opinion. And then you can also aid other lifts and movements. So it kind of goes back to having carryover, but you can use a squat to help build your deadlift. You can use a squat to help improve your jump. You can use a squat to improve your change of direction by doing like a wide stance box squat or and that can help your sumo. Or if you do it super narrow to a low box, the safety bar, that helps your deadlift. Those are all squat variations, but we're not necessarily using it for a squat. In that case, we're using it to aid something else. So it's a good supplemental exercise on top of that. And that's what I think is special about the squat there. Okay, in particular... For programming, for powerlifters, um, I've got a little bit of some some notes here. You have to always remember that with this style of training, especially for the max effort work, uh, that every movement has its own life cycle. So it's not going to last forever, right? Training is like that. You can't run the same program for infinity and continue to get better. Your training has to adapt with you. The squat and the max effort cycle in particular is that same way. So in other words, each movement cycle independently cycles independently of others. So also each day cycles independently of other days. So this kind of looking at the max effort and dynamic effort method together, the way those cycle will work independently than each one. So your, your bench press or your upper body max effort can cycle differently than your squat, than your, dynamic waves and your max effort waves, everything is almost like independently snapshot in time, depending on where you're at with that and what's going to happen. Right. So for the max effort day, the first movement is always your max effort movement. If that's looking at from a powerlifting perspective, that's going to be your first move. Now you're obviously, you may do some leg curls or whatever to kind of get your legs warmed up. But the first main movement is going to be that max effort movement. You want to come in as fresh as you possibly can for that movement for that given day. And it will usually rotate in a one to three week cycle. I've got more stuff on cycles here coming in a little bit, but generally speaking, you're not going to do the same movement for more than one to three weeks at a time. Right? So just keep that in mind in terms of the, the life or the cycle of that life is usually one to three weeks. There are several ways to accomplish this. The more advanced the lifter, the faster the movement technically needs to change or more frequently and it kind of just goes from there. So an advanced lifter might need to do this every week. Intermediates might need to do this every two weeks and a beginner might be able to make it every three and even four weeks. Again, this is kind of a skill acquisition thing. The more advanced you are, you probably have more skills or more practice of. Using stuff like this so it doesn't last as long. You need more stimulation and adaptation to continue to grow or make improvement. Where the more beginner you are, you can do the same thing for a longer period of time and to continue to make progress. You can milk more out of that. And the max effort method is no different for powerlifters. You can literally run a safety bar box squat if it's your first time ever doing it for probably four weeks because you're so new to the mo- motion and the movement. The first week is kind of like setting a standard. The second week, you're going to try to improve on it just a little bit, try to improve on it, movement perspective, and get a feel for it a little more. And then the third and the fourth week are probably where you're going to be able to push truly push things and your body's not in shock because you're doing something completely different as I used to. So just keep that in mind in terms of your cycles and the life cycle. That also depends on your experience level. And continued for some programming here on the second slide, um, you don't always have to use singles but for power lifters, it's generally encouraged. And I will be the first to tell you that I don't program a whole lot of singles until we're starting to get ready for meets. I usually use more doubles and triples. And the main reason for that is I want more repetitions of practice, especially if my waves are going to change or my movement is going to change. We're not going to run it for three weeks straight. Uh, then I want to try to get some more reps with that weight. And then also by doing more reps, that means you're technically not able to get closer to that 100% one rep max. Uh, so that kind of limits the loads on your body a little bit which i think can be beneficial if you're super far away from a competition and it kind of sets you up for success in the long run and beating double and triple prs is much harder than beating singles so if you do want to try to take a pr jump you do know that you have to do it for three reps or two reps and not just one so make sure you just understand that from uh, the programming side that obviously singles are usually encouraged the closer you get towards meets kind of talked about waves a little bit, but using waves can help prevent burnout and becoming stagnant on certain movements. Um, Again, the more waves you can use and stack together that go together greatly are going to improve your chances without burnout. So if you're always using the same implement and always squatting, 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 you can get burnout from just doing the same thing all the time. It's not as exciting, but if you've got new stimulus, new things coming, then the mental burnout is less likely, and you're providing different adaptations over time, so your body's going to be a little less uh, likely to get stagnant. And then deloads don't have to mean decreased loads for programming, especially in the max effort method. You can use different bars, tempos, and methods, like the like concentric-only method, to still train, but allow recovery. I think this is another huge benefit of The max effort method is you essentially get a deload every time you change your movement around because you can provide a new stimulus different than what you're taking and your body is going to perceive that being different. And that's nice. But the other nice thing too, is even if you do want to go heavy, but your body feels like you need a break concentrics were great doing squats from pins and things like that, make it much more sustainable long-term. You don't have any of that kind of eccentric stress. You just got to move the weight one good time and you should be good to go. Again, even using tempos is going to make things more difficult. So let's say you use like a three-one-zero tempo. That means you went three seconds down, one second pause, and you're going to come up. If you do that, you're going to use significantly less weight than you could if you just did a single, right? So you're going to decrease your loads by just changing your tempo, but that still can be a max effort method. You can still do something that's incredibly hard or near maximal and see, see benefits from it. So lots of different ways there. And then obviously just the way you use your bars. You know, if you need a deload, pick a harder variation let's say a close stance low safety bar box squat that number is going to be significantly lower than if you just do a straight bar squat so therefore you're using less loads you're still training that max effort method but you're taxing your body less from a load perspective which can then give you essentially a mini deload so lots of different ways you can go there that you can't necessarily do with other methods Now, I've got some waves here written down. I'll kind of explain these. I didn't really feel like writing out every single wave, it would just have taken way too long. But one wave that I really like is the 5 3 1 wave. Um, I've talked about this with my good friend Lucas White, that's currently at Iowa State, and he uses this as well with many of his sport athletes. But essentially, your first week, you will work up to a hard set of five, you'll leave a little bit of weight in the tank. Think of this as an acquisition week. You're going to take a new movement, you're going to get some quality reps, you're still going to be pretty heavy but you're going to do more reps. Clearly, it's not going to be in the 90% range. Uh, you're not going to be able to do a set of five uh, for ninety, being 90%. It's just not going to happen. But again, this is like a skill acquisition week. That hard set of three on the week two is going to be the same movement, but now you're going to do three reps. So clearly, the weight's going to go up. This is probably going to be something that you can to touch 90% with. You're going to get three good quality reps, maybe just a little bit left in the tank. Again, more skill acquisition, getting heavier, getting used to the movements that you have. And then you've got your one week, which will be your true max effort day, where you'll take a single. You could even do a double here if you really wanted, but I really like the 5-3-1. And then you just pick a new exercise and do the same thing again. Or if you got a really, really fresh young beginner or athlete, you might be able to run that wave again and then see benefits from there as well. Uh, we got the A B exercises wave, and this is what I really use personally for a lot of athletes. It's essentially separating my programming up to A weeks and B weeks, and that gives me an A exercise and a B exercise. So an exercise. So an example of this exercise might be: let's say we're going to do a back squat versus chains on our A week. We're going to work up the heavy single, double, triple, whatever that max effort uh, programming looks like for that week, and then this following week we're going to make either pick something harder or easier or very similar, but different. So it depends on what the goal is. But Let's say the first exercise that we said was the the back squats against chains. So the next week I might pick a reverse band squat. So we're going to go from a a, a weight that should be kind of heavier, but it's going to accommodate the resistance curve. Uh, it's going to be lighter in the bottom, but the chains are going to provide sensibility. And then the Reverse bands let me load up more weight than what I could actually have. And that's going to be my for movement. And I would alternate that back and forth for two to three waves or weeks. That can get you four to six weeks of programming. And each time you're going to try to break that. So the goal would be obviously the first week's kind of set some standards. Second week, try to break that PR. And then the third week, if you left some in the tank, then go for it. If not, you could switch your wave up. So that's kind of the AB wave that I use. You also have six or 12-week rotating waves. So with this, you would do, you would essentially pick six exercises. So on your max effort lower squat day, you would pick six exercises. Ideally, you want to strategically program those to where they kind of build off one another. They do not want to be random, but you're going to find six exercises that you need to improve on or you know that help your squat, whatever those might be, front squat, safety bar squat, um, a cambered bar squat, a box squat, and a pause squat, for example, and then you run each one of those for each week, take the single like you're supposed to. And then you can rerun that six week for the second phase of it and try to go back and beat all those PRs from the previous six weeks. And now you've got a 12 week rotation of max effort movements that you can try to break. And that's going to get you three months of training. And you'll, if you pick your methods and your, your exercise well, you'll see progress. Uh, it works all the time with people that I give this to. Um, you can even do the same thing from a 12 week rotation. Now that's a lot for many people, uh, picking 12 different exercises. And that would obviously be looking very far out from competition. Right. So, um, but you can pick 12 exercises and then get some, some numbers and then rerun another 12 week phase. So those are kind of two other ones that I use. Don't really use the 12 week one a whole lot. I use that whenever I competed, I picked my 12 exercises uh, but I usually stick more towards that AB method or the the six weeks in terms of how I'm rotating stuff. If I'm going to do that, I think you've got also bar rotation waves. Now this is a little bit more confusing, a little more complicated. Um, I would say this is definitely for more advanced athletes, but the thought process here is that you're going to pick um, bars and or movements. I shouldn't have put bars. Uh, it really could be motion or movements, but you're going to take those, Together And then you're going to cycle them to where the weight increases over the course of the duration. So let's say we're going to do, uh, four weeks of improving the weight. The goal would be to pick the hardest variation week one in the most similar or easiest, um, exercise last so you're probably going to end with like a reverse band or your competition based lifting lift or squat in that last week and your first week's going to be something incredibly hard that you're not good at that's going to let you use the least amount of weight a lot of people that's a front squat and then you would just pick a next variation that's going to get harder so we might go a front squat we might go to a safety bar squat and then we might go to a pause squat and then we may go to a reverse band squat so as you notice the weight should get heavier each week that I go. So that's going to let the loads increase, adapt my body to that. And then on that fifth week, you could take a new competition squat if you really wanted to. Now, that's really up to you how you do that. But that's how the bars would, the bars and where methods would rotate to help you with that. Now, programming for sport athletes, this is a little bit different. We kind of talked about this in my single-leg training one last month. Um, so we're gonna kind of talk to that about to that extent, but for sport athletes, not a whole lot is gonna change. Do we just got to keep in mind? What's important here, and that's the first bullet point here, is understanding that for sport athletes, lifting heavy is not their competitive sport. This is merely a means to an end for them. Uh, They are using the max effort method with their squat in this particular case to do nothing but aid their sport performance. Get stronger, move more weight, create more force, run faster, jump higher, all that kind of good stuff. Ultimately, that's what we're here for. Now, I talked about there being a skill of lifting heavy, and you know if they lift heavy enough, and you have them for a long enough periods amount of time, then they can get better at it. Obviously, since it is a skill, but just understand that if their squats not making the improvement that you wanted, but their on-field play is seeing the improvement that you want, then I think we're winning in what we're really after here. So just keep that in mind. I think this is a big issue when we get too many coaches that have lifting backgrounds and only approach it from a lifting perspective. They lose sight of what the ultimate goal is, which is, like I said, to run faster, jump higher, all those kind of things, not squat more. Usually squatting more will help you do that better, but there is a point of diminishing returns. There's not really a point of a 700-pound squat um, for a basketball player, right? You just don't need it. And chances are if they're squatting 300, maybe 405, especially in that college range, that's probably plenty strong enough to do everything that you want to do on a basketball court. Not really a whole lot of reasons to get stronger. Uh, The next thing would be that single leg variations are huge for performance for athletes. Most athletes are in a single leg variation. Again, we talked about this last month. So being able to train in a single leg pattern can be very valuable for them. And by doing that, uh, you can do split squats, reverse lunges, step ups, things of that nature. I personally wouldn't do them for, quote unquote, a one rep max. Um, but you could do them for heavy sets of like two or three and then see some good benefits there and still be tapping into your max effort method, still getting your squat work in and single leg. You check a lot of boxes with just one exercise. And that's why I think that's huge from a performance perspective for most athletes. The other nice thing with athletes, you can use the max effort method, uh, with your PAP or your post activation potentiation or any kind of French contrast methods that you want to do. You can use your max effort squatting with that and still use some advanced methods as well to elicit performance. So just people know that essentially means that you're going to take a heavy squat. Let's just say we're using the safety bar squat again. We're going to take a heavy single or a heavy double, and we're going to pair that with a box jump or a, um, a hurdle jump or anything like that, multiple hurdle jumps. We're going to use that high CNS response from the load that we're using to get the nervous system to give us a good jolt for those jumps. And that's going to make it feel like you're jumping higher. Your body's going to get that response. You're going to jump higher in the long term, right? The other would be the French contrast method, which expands on that. And it basically uses heavy, a light and an over speed. So it would be to take the same thing. But after we did our box jump, then we would do band assisted jumps. Uh, so that gets thrown in there. There's one extra step into that, into that process. Um, you can really put it before or after, Uh, I personally like to basically do my heavy squat, my band assisted, and then go to the movement we want to improve the most. So in the vertical jump in this case, it'd be a safety bar squat, a band assisted jump, and then a seated or just a standing box jump for max height. Okay. That would be your French contrast. And again, you can use your max effort method there as well to get more bang for your buck and maximize your training time. Uh, VBT or velocity based training can be another way to monitor progress in a multitude of ways. So the first one would just be using it to measure your bar speed. So you could essentially wave your bar speed through your max effort. So anything really under 0.3 is going to be considered max strength. So your first week, you could take that movement and you can say, Hey, we're going to find out what the heaviest weight is. You can move for 0.3 meters per second. The next week we're going to do 0.25. And the third week we're going to do 0.2 or less. You may even be able to go down to 0.15. That's about the heaviest you would want to get for a single, uh, for sure. But you can take that 0.15 and you can weight it that way. So you've got essentially a way to wave your velocities and that's going to let your athletes increase their weights, uh, over the course of the training cycle. The other thing that you can do as well, if you keep the same motion or same movement and say you're doing singles or doubles again, um, you can essentially take the same weight instead of adding weight and just try to increase the velocity. So let's say that we take a heavy double at 300 pounds and they move it at 0.25 meters per second. That was their average speed. The next week we're going to take that same weight again. And the goal is to beat that 0.25. It's going to be to try to get 0.28, 0.3, 0.31. That would show improvement, right? That would be a way to progress your training and still see progress without having to do a whole lot of anything else into your training other than just get the velocities higher. Obviously you need a unit to be able to measure this, but it's another way to build on your max ever squat program. And then the last one here is going to be general to specific based on your competition schedule. So just like with powerlifting, sport athletes have schedules. So the further are we out from our season, the more general our squat programming can look. Uh, that, can, that can be a wide stance box squat. That can be used at Cambridge bar, bands, chains. That's really all up to you And in terms of what, what you want from your programming, what you want from your athletes, how advanced they are. You know them better than I do. Um, But you have to basically meet the person in front of you. But obviously, as you get closer towards the competition schedule, you want these to look a little more specific towards the sport. Uh, So for my case, in the offseason, I usually choose to either front squat or safety bar box squat. Um, Sometimes on football guys, I'll use like the the spider bar, the camber bar deep in the offseason just to give them something different to build some general strength. Uh, but as they get closer, then we move towards a more single leg motions. So you're going to talk about your split squats and your reverse lunges with the safety bar or front rack or, or, what have you. So, um, just understand that that's another way that you can progress for your, your sport athletes and a, a, the way you should be looking at things long-term. And that's all I had today regarding the programming, uh, and, and what you can do. I know that was a lot of information very quickly for 35 minutes uh, I try to make sure that these are not too long, too overcomplicated, but really try to find ways to make you think about how you can use things differently, but still see progress. So, you know, I obviously did not go into a lot of specifics of this wave is what I like best in Your squat, because at the end of the day, that's it may, what may work for me or another athlete, it may not work for you, but if you understand the foundations that I have laid out here and what we kind of just talked about, you take some notes away oh, I didn't think about doing this, or I'm going to try that. That at least gets the wheels turning of a way that you can hopefully see improvement uh, on your max effort squat training. So I, th- I think the big thing here that I want to take away or have you take away is that you need to you need to lift heavy. Depending upon, if you're a power lifter, for sure, these need to be singles, doubles, triples. You want to make sure you're not doing them too frequently. So just like regular conjugate stuff. Um, you want to make sure that it's going towards the movement that you want Um, you know you can burn out like I mentioned That's very possible but I don't think that there's necessarily a bad thing about going heavy even for sport athletes it's just going to be heavy relative to what you know you're training and adaptation for athletes for powerlifters you're training the movement and the skill of getting strong and those are two different things and two different ways to approach them and that's why I kind of showed here on this last slide, why you've got different ways to be able to use that over just maxing out all the time. And if I had anything to say from an athlete perspective, most sport athletes are probably quote unquote, maxing out too frequently. The maxing out doesn't tell us a whole lot. If you've got access to VBT or some lower rep based maxes, those are for sure what you want to track from an athlete perspective. Obviously, if you're a power lifter or a strength athlete, then the max effort rotations and movements that you're picking are then more important for what you want. So um, hopefully that answers and provides some feedback information on the max effort method, in particular for the squat. Again, I know I I went really, really quickly through this, Um, so you know, I'm open towards any questions down in the comment section, whatever, after the fact. You can definitely get a hold of me uh, individually, and I can definitely expand on something. If I went too fast or briefly covered something that you wanted to see me expand on, um, then I'm obviously more likely to do that. And just so you know as well, I do, like I said, plan on covering this for like the bench press and the deadlift as well, just because of the way those programming decisions are made from a max effort perspective look different for each lift and the squat is one of them. The only other thing that I'll add here when it comes to me and how I choose to program the squat for strength athletes from a max effort method, I actually do something a little different where I have my athletes take their max effort squat every week, and we take our max effort deadlift on a normal dynamic effort day, um, and that's you know a, a completely different conversation, but just so you know, I like to squat heavy every week with my uh, powerlifters. I think, again, because of the skill of squatting, um, and the skill of max effort work is much harder and you can't take a max effort deadlift all the time and do that with your bench and your deadlift. Something's going to give. And since the squat can handle more frequency better than the deadlift, I just personally like having a max effort squat on a weekly basis and then dump my deadlift in every two to three weeks, depending upon the athlete. And then that still gets us deadlifting once a week. Cause you are going to have a speed day if you're taking typical conjugate based stuff. Uh, you'll still deadlift every week, but some weeks will be heavier than others and you can build on those, but you can also see how your squat is affecting your deadlift, which is very hard to do. If you just take your squat away completely and just implement it with a deadlift, then you're going to have a hard time determining what kind of pushed you overboard, what worked well, what didn't, you've got some gaps there and you wouldn't have those gaps if you're still squatting and then you implement the deadlift on the back end of the week, you can then see how the deadlift affects the squat. I even talked to Dave Tate about this um, in my table talk episode that I did with him a year, year and a half ago, whatever it was, why I do that because you're basically looking backwards. What's going to affect what and what's going to let you have be the most recovered for each lift that you can have. And if you're essentially trying to work backwards for me, it made more sense to deadlift heavy on Tuesday, every other Tuesday and take my max over squat every Saturday because I knew my deadlift would affect my squat, but my squat didn't affect my deadlift. So Um, that's a whole other conversation of just looking at the whole training week, which, you know, I can certainly do an episode on that as well of laying out your training weeks and how you're thinking with things there. But from a max effort squat perspective, that's the way that I looked at it. So again, that's all I've got for this episode. Um, there are a couple people here. So if you do have a question in the comment section, awesome time to drop a question Uh, anything like that, I'd be more than happy to answer it, especially for this, but it does not have to be for this discussion. If you got a question on anything else, um, just let me know as well. And I will answer it here in the comment section. I'll give it a couple minutes in case there's one. Um, But again, thanks for coming in for today's talk. I really appreciate it. We've got uh, a couple people have stopped in. So I really appreciate it if you stopped by. If you missed this, again, this will be on Spotify, um, iTunes, all that kind of stuff after the fact. Uh, And you can actually go back and watch the whole episode as well on YouTube because once I'm done here, it will post. So uh, again, thanks for coming in for today. The next episode of the Q&A episodes, again, it's the last Sunday of every month, will be the 26th of November. And the plan, again, for that to be at 1 p.m. Today's was at 5 p.m. Sorry, I had a, a training for Special Olympics. Uh, for my state. So I train all the coaches for that. And we did that today, myself and my wife uh, to try to help grow the sport. So it's kind of threw my schedule off a little bit. So I apologize about that. But um, that's again, all I've got for today. So again, thanks for dropping in. I really appreciate it. We will see you at the next episode for thirst for more with a guest and that date also will end up being on the 9th. So you'll catch that next episode on October 9th for the podcast. And for the Q&A, that's going to be on November 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And I will announce that topic usually about a week or two in advance, just so you know. So thanks for tuning in for today's episode. I will see you at the next episode on October 9th. And have a good one. Thanks for listening to Thirst For More Podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you like to consume your podcast. You can also check us out on YouTube at Smitley, where you'll find clips and lots of educational-based material for strength and conditioning and exercise science. You can also make sure you give me a follow on Instagram at Smitley or at Team Thirst, which is my gym Instagram page. For any more future updates on episodes to come, you can make sure you follow me there. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you at the next episode.